right over this way. All right, let's turn together to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. This is a book in the Old Testament, if you're not already there. Book of Psalms is kind of in the middle of the Bible, so you can just open your Bible in the middle. You'll likely land there, and Proverbs is the very next book. And we're in chapter 9, which is on page 533 in that blue Bible in front of you, if you want to use that to read with us. 533. We're going to cover the whole chapter this morning. It's not a, not a long chapter, just 18 verses, but there's a lot of good truth for us to see here. So I'm going to read Proverbs 9 for us. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. Here's what the word of the Lord says to us through Solomon. Verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. There's a rivalry in chapter 9 of Proverbs. And rivalries touch every single part of our lives. Not... We'll get to this rivalry, but I'm talking about other rivalries. We tend to only think of rivalries in terms of sports, and there's plenty of those. But rivalries in general are, in general are all around us. They're everywhere. You can think there's, there's even rivalries with drinks. you got Coke versus Pepsi. There's rivalries with food, McDonald's versus Burger King or Chick-fil-A versus everyone else. There's rivalries in local communities. Oldham County versus South Oldham. Oldham County versus North Oldham. Well, I mean, I know who the correct answer is in that rivalry. I'm just, it exists. There's other people that disagree. There's rivalries in entertainment. Some people are into the rivalry of like Marvel versus DC. Or Woody versus Buzz. Or Maverick versus Iceman. All depending on which generation you're a part of. And lastly, even rivalries in technology, Apple versus Microsoft, people who have iPhones versus people who have Android phones, and they don't allow your text messages to show up in blue. It shows up in green. It's really obnoxious. But rivalries touch every part of our lives. But these kinds of rivalries, and there's other rivalries I'm not talking about. I could talk about a blue team and a red team, but you already know how I feel about that, and we don't need to bring that up either. Especially when both teams lose, it doesn't really matter. So let's move on. 
but none of these rivalries make a life-changing difference in my life or your life, really. Like the difference between Coke and Pepsi or Woody and Buzz or Kentucky and Louisville, I mean, none of that ultimately makes a difference in my life or your life. Most of us don't lay awake at night wondering how to get more people on our side. Man, I love Coke, and I need to get more people to stop liking Pepsi and liking Coke. How am I going to do that? I, I don't know a lot of people that lay in bed thinking about that. And yes, people can have passionate opinions about different sides of various rivalries, but none of them ultimately matter. They don't change the course of your life. They don't change every day of what you're doing. And as we look at Proverbs 9 this morning, we see a rivalry, but a different kind of rivalry. The rivalry rivalry between wisdom and folly. And the word folly, that can sound like an old word. I understand it can sound kind of antiquated. It's not really a word that we use a lot in normal conversation. But folly is just the path of choosing to follow your own way in life as opposed to God's way in life. But this rivalry, the rivalry in Proverbs 9 between wisdom and folly, it touches every single area of your life. It touches every single person in this room. This contest between wisdom and folly touches our souls at the deepest level. It's the one rivalry that we actually all need to pay attention to. It makes all the other ones look so lame and unimportant. Because in reality, whether we realize it or not, we have all picked a side in this one. You've already picked a side in wisdom versus folly. And God has given us Proverbs chapter 9 and the book of Proverbs as a whole to draw us to the right side, the good way, the good path. And so as we look at this in Proverbs 9, what I want us to see, last week we looked at chapter 1. This week we're jumping all the way to chapter 9. But it's because Proverbs 1 through 9 is the main first section of the book. And then you'll notice a difference once we get to chapters 10 through 31. It's all very different. It's what you're used to when you hear the word Proverbs, where it's like these short, pithy little sayings that might be related, some of which are connected, some of which aren't. But Proverbs 1 to 9 lays the foundation of what wisdom is, where it comes from, and why it's important that we even know and think about this. So we're going to see these bookends, the first chapter of the section last week, the last chapter of the section this week, to see this rivalry, because what we're going to see in chapter 9 is this. That the choice between wisdom and folly is the choice between life and death. And that's not me as a pastor standing up here trying to make something sound really weighty and and important. I don't have to make it sound like that. God's word already does. The choice between wisdom and folly is the choice between life and death. So as we come to chapter 9, you're going to meet wisdom and we're going to meet folly. And there's some personification happening here. It's... It's a wisdom book. There's poetic things happening. So you need to think back to the great English teacher that you had that taught you personification and taught you poetic language and not see this as just all literal stuff. Because what Solomon's giving us is he's giving us this picture of two houses across the street from each other. And they look kind of similar. They sound kind of similar. But on the inside of those houses, they could not be more different. 
One leads to life, and one leads to death. So we're going to see the Feast of Wisdom and the Funeral of Folly. So let's look first at the Feast of Wisdom. The Feast of Wisdom. Last week, when we looked at Proverbs 1, we were introduced to the concept of wisdom. And I was trying to debunk some ways we normally hear that word, that wisdom is not something optional, like, yeah, you need to go to church, be good for you, read your Bible every now and then. Uh, This stuff is generally good, but wisdom's like optional extra stuff. It's extra credit for the class. It's, Proverbs 1 says, no, it's not that. And wisdom is not just for people with a high IQ. Wisdom is not just for people with extra time on their hands. Proverbs 1 showed us that we need wisdom like we need oxygen. We cannot live in this world without it because we defined it this way. Wisdom is not knowing a bunch of facts. Wisdom is not being crazy smart. Wisdom is the skill of following God's word in God's world. Wisdom is the skill of following God's word in God's world. So when we come to chapter 9, the closing of that first section like I described earlier, it brings us to a decision point. Here's what wisdom is. Here's how it's been laid out. Now we each have to make a decision. Are we going to go on the side of the street to wisdom's house? Or are we going to go on the side of the street to folly's house? And as we look at these pictures, the pictures are meant to show you what wisdom is really about and what folly is really about. And they represent two ways of life, two views of life. Wisdom is a way of life that revolves around the Lord and what he says. Folly is a way of life that revolves around yourself and what you want. So you're going to hear two invitations, two rival invitations, and I want us all to know from the very beginning, you can't accept both. And you can't ignore both. We are being brought to a decision point, and we're being called to respond. So let's see wisdom first and her invitation. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. Think about this picture with me. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. So you you see this picture of this house. Wisdom, personified as, as this woman here, has built her house. She's hewn her seven pillars, which I think the main idea is that it's just a large well-built house that has room for all who are going to turn towards wisdom. And the house is built. The food is prepared. She has prepared it. She's not just cooked the meat. She's slaughtered the beast. She's butchered them. She's cooked the supper. She's mixed the wine. And the table's been set. This is a well-prepared, beautiful, celebratory feast. This is, this in the day of ancient Israel, would have looked like high-class stuff and a very exciting scene to be a part of. The point here is that wisdom has done all the work. She didn't just make the meal for you to come have in the house. She built the house for you to come have the meal in. She's done all the work. She built the house from scratch. She made the meal from scratch. She's done it all for her guests. 
and any guest can come free of charge and enjoy this feast, enjoy this meal. A number of years ago, when Carrie Lynn and I were still living in Louisville, we decided to go, as people often do, to Dairy Queen one night to get blizzards, and we pull up to the drive-thru. So I had to preface this as that this, we lived in Louisville because I want you to know this was not a Dairy Queen in LaGrange, but if anyone wants to make this happen at Dairy Queen in LaGrange, I'm all about it. We pull up at the drive-thru. The little speaker stand is right there by the curb. And as I'm about to order, I see an envelope taped to the speaker. And it just has a red heart drawn on it. And I look at Carrie Lynn and I'm about to order. I'm very excited about getting a blizzard. Love blizzards. They're amazing. And I look at Carrie Lynn. Should I grab that envelope? Like, is what, you know, you don't know what to do in this situation. Didn't know if I was about to, like, ruin somebody's promposal or something. I wasn't sure what was, what was happening in that moment. But Carrie Lynn says, yeah, grab it. So I grabbed it. We open it up. And there was, like, 20 bucks or some amount of money sitting in there. This is incredible. The only thing better than a blizzard is a blizzard that someone else pays for. It was such a kind gift. We were showing up expecting to pay, but it was all paid for by this stranger that we'll never know who did it, that left this money there. And this is exactly what's happening here, is wisdom has paid for all of it. It's all been done. It's all been paid for. But I want to continue to see the picture, and then we'll start to look at the meaning behind the, behind the picture. Look at verse 3. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. And here, here's what they call. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Wisdom sends out this message to, quote-unquote, the simple. And we met the simple last week. It was actually the first group of people mentioned in Proverbs chapter 1. The the simple are the uncommitted ones. The simple are the people who are are not firmly committed to either way, wisdom or folly, but they're very easily misled. And you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, I'm looking around at some people that I know are simple. I'm glad they're here this morning. It's all of us are the simple on our own. The simple are those who haven't found the path to wisdom yet. And listen to this invitation. It comes with some powerful promises. Verse 4, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, just another phrase for simple. To him who lacks sense, she says, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. You see an echo of this down in verse 11 where wisdom says, For by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. So there's these promises that come with the invitation to wisdom that says, If you turn to the path of wisdom, you will live forever as you walk along wisdom's way. The choice between Wisdom and folly is the choice between life and death. And it's right at this point that I think we can begin to start to pick up on the meaning behind the picture. This is a metaphor, but there's a reality behind the metaphor. The woman of wisdom is throwing this feast that represents God's wisdom. And what's really cool and interesting is that the Lord himself 
extends a similar invitation in another part of the Old Testament. This is in Isaiah chapter 55, and listen to how this sounds similar to what wisdom says in Proverbs 9. This is Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. These words of God are about more than food and drink. God is inviting us to receive the salvation of the coming Messiah who had not yet come in Isaiah's day, talking about Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the wisdom of God in human form. And this invitation to come to wisdom is an invitation to come to Christ in whom are found all the satisfactions and all the wisdom you could ever need. Just like wisdom in, wisdom's invitation in Proverbs chapter 9, God offers salvation for those who have nothing to bring except their need of it. He's done all the work. He's built the house. He pre- he's prepared the meal. And the gospel of Jesus says the same thing to needy sinners like me and you as it does in Proverbs 9. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Leave your simple ways, meaning turn from your sin, repent of your sin, repent of doing life your own way, and turn to Christ and walk in his way. So hearing that, that this is more than just some new outlook in life. This is more than just a new habit or a new practice you're trying to develop. This is a complete turning away from our old way of life to the new way of life that Jesus calls us to. Coming to wisdom is turning from death to life by coming to Jesus. He's the bread of life. He's the living water. So I want you and I to hear from this that The message of Proverbs 9 is not, wisdom is good, folly is bad, go to wisdom. It's a picture of the truth that Jesus is better than any other offer out there. And he's better than any other offer out there because he himself is wisdom and righteousness and joy and life and satisfaction and eternal life. But we know, we have to know he's better than any other offer because there are other offers we have to think about, we have to be aware of. And that's the second one that we see in Proverbs 9. That's the second one, the other invitation, the other rival. So this is where we're going to turn from looking at the Feast of Wisdom to the funeral of folly. The funeral of folly. This is where we hear the invitation coming from the other side of the street, the other house people are calling from. Verse 13. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. So you hear this immediate difference from how wisdom was described at the beginning of chapter 9 and then how folly is described in verse 13. She's described as loud, seductive, knows nothing. She's described as chaotic, 
lacking sense, and truthless. And what's really remarkable here is that folly is described in a somewhat similar way to wisdom, but the only reason Solomon's pointing out the similarities is, is to highlight the differences. I'll show you what I mean in verse 14. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town. So, so we already start to see a difference there. That wisdom was working, wisdom was building, wisdom was cooking. Folly is sitting at the door of her house. There's a laziness to folly. And then in verse 15, calling to those who, who pass by, who are going straight on their way, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. That's the exact same invitation that wisdom cried out. Look back at verse 4. Wisdom cried out, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And folly cries out the same thing, same opening invitation as wisdom. So what I want us to see is that folly has no originality. Folly has no creativity. She can only be a cheap imitation of wisdom. And she wants to turn the simple away. She wants to distract and divert them to her way of life. And that's why these similarities cannot cover up the dangerous differences between the two. Verse 17. Into verse 16 to verse 17. To him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Wisdom's meal was made from scratch. Folly's meal is stolen and secretive. This is what Satan, this is what sin, this is what evil does with every good gift of God. It presents cheap imitations that aren't the real thing. There was a, uh, this is a number of years ago when the movie Frozen first came out and it was just insanely popular. And I went to the Red Box one night to pick up a movie. I know that also kind of sounds old and dated, but it was the era. All right, just go with it. And there was a movie that was, you could buy at the Red Box that was called The Kingdom of the Ice Princess. It was frozen, but just a cheap imitation of it. And you already knew it was going to be horrible compared to the real thing. And this is what he's presenting here, is that folly presents something that looks like the real thing, but it's just a cheap, stolen imitation. And folly wants it to look like she offers the same thing as wisdom, but it's not even close. She says in verse 17, stolen water is sweet, bread eaten secret is pleasant. But wisdom said back in verse 5, come eat of my bread, drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. And that's where we begin to see the clearest difference between these two things, what wisdom leads to and what folly leads to. Look at verse 18, the very end of the chapter. But he, talking about the simple, the one who hears this invitation, he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Sheol is the place of the dead. It's, it's the grave. 
those who accept Folly's invitation think they're going to a life-giving meal and feast and celebration, but they end up finding death in a funeral. A few weeks ago, I saw this video online where a guy was doing a tour of a Warner Brothers backlot out in Hollywood. And he was doing a tour because it was all about to get torn down. And it was really interesting and cool because he was showing these houses that they've used for various movies for years that were iconic places that many of you would recognize. Some of the houses that he was showing were houses, and let me just span generations for you. They were houses used in everything from three, the Three Stooges to Bewitched to National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to even uh, most recently WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. I mean, this place has been around for a long time. And so you would recognize these houses. And on the outside, some of these houses look beautiful and inviting and were really nice and well-kept. But what was so interesting is when he would go into it, he would open the front door, and it was immediately plywood wall. And there was, like, spray paint and some random supplies on the ground that had been thrown out with whatever film they had done recently. Now, on the outside, it looked like a place you could live in. But on the inside, it was not livable at all. The purpose of all these similarities that have been pointed out is to emphasize this key difference. What wisdom offers is the complete opposite of what folly offers. Wisdom invitation leads to life. Folly's invitation leads to death. Folly looks like it's livable and good and enjoyable on the outside. But you open the door. In verse 18, you find out the dead are there. It's not necessarily physical life and physical death, but a bigger meaning that life here is a relationship with the one true God and death is being without a relationship with the one true God. Proverbs 10, verse 16 says, The wage of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. I'm bringing us to this because I think this leads us to the bigger point that God is leading us to in Proverbs chapter 9. That this is not like every other rivalry. This is more than just who do you like, who do you not like. This is more than just who do you cheer for, who do you not cheer for. This is who do you live for. This is who is your soul's allegiance to. This is who do you worship. An important detail in both descriptions, it comes up in both, is in verse 3 and in verse 14. Look with me again in verse 3. She has sent out her young women to call, and here's the detail, from the highest places in the town. And then verse 14, that was wisdom, now to folly. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town. In Solomon's day, in this region of the world, the building built on the highest places of the city was often the temple, the place where gods are worshipped. An ancient Israelite reading this would read the metaphors of wisdom, woman wisdom, and woman folly as a choice between the Lord and the false gods of the nations. They would read this description as 
Going to Wisdom's house represents devotion to the Lord. Going to Folly's house represents devotion to all the gods and goddesses who wanted to lure Israel away from the one true God. So this is not just about what do you know, what do you not know. This is not just about what books do you read, what books do you not read. This is about the worship of your heart. In our day, we don't have temples, we don't have images, but we are all lured away by control or power or wealth or relationships or status or recognition of some kind. And God is saying to each of us through his word, turn away from those lesser gods and turn to me and live. And live. Not just for the first time, but every time after that. For those of you here this morning that you haven't come to Christ, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and that could be for so many different reasons. Maybe you, no one's ever told you. Maybe you've had bad experiences or hard experiences with church or with Christianity or with something that someone that said they represented Christianity. I understand all of that. But for whatever the reason is that you haven't come to Christ, maybe you just feel like he's not the best offer out there. This is an invitation for you to turn from lesser gods, to turn from a lesser way of life, to turn from lesser promises that will never deliver on what they say they're going to deliver on and turn to Christ. The invitation from wisdom is an invitation to come to Jesus and have your sins wiped away and have eternal life given to you by Christ. He's done all the work, just like wisdom has. He's built the house. He's made the meal. He's set the table through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection. You come to him, and you receive all the benefits because he took on all the consequences of your sin and mine. So this is not the invitation to come to Jesus or come to church or come to Christianity. is not, hey, you need to get smarter. You need to learn a lot about this before you come to Jesus. That's, that's not it. It's not you need to start cleaning yourself up. You need to dress better. You need to start talking different. That's not it. That's a cheap imitation. It's come to wisdom by coming to Christ. Come to life. Come to the feast that God is offering in Jesus. Put down the puny snacks that you picked up from the world and come to the feast that Jesus is offering. Now, for those of you that have already turned to Christ, the reality is you and I run back and forth across the street between these houses all the time. When we face temptation, when our desires and our hearts are pulled in one direction or the other, these pictures are here to give us a powerful reminder. Remember where each one leads. When you face those moments of temptation, man, I could, I could honor Christ here or I could go my own way. I could walk in obedience to Jesus here or I could do what I want or what this friend wants me to do or what this person wants me to do. Remember where the end is. I heard a pastor say recently, every nightmare starts as a dream. And he's not talking about like really hard things that just come up in life. He's talking about like decisions we make that are selfish and sinful and wrong that lead to horrible 
things, every nightmare starts as a dream. It looks really good at first. Stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but he does not know the dead are there. Remember, when you're at that moment of temptation, when an opportunity is there and a desire is there and it meets, remember the end. You know how you feel after you give in to a temptation that the Lord doesn't want you to give in to? It's never as satisfying as it was on the front end, as you thought it would be on the front end. Remember the end from the beginning. Remember where each way leads. Remember the feast. Remember the funeral. And run to the Bible's truths. Run to the Bible's promises. Run to Christ in the feast that he offers and be satisfied in him and walk in the way of wisdom. This is why I think the central point of the chapter is actually right in the center of the chapter. It it comes in verse 10 where he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. We saw that same, almost the exact same phrase last week in chapter 1, verse 7. And so it bookends this first big section of Proverbs. Comes up in chapter 1, comes up in chapter 9 as a theme for the whole book. It's the main point of the whole book. And we saw last week that fear is Fearing the Lord means worshipful submission to all that God is. It's our response to his love and his kindness and acknowledging that he is everything on his own and we are nothing without him. He's above us. He's beyond us. He's superior to us. But because of his love and kindness, we can know him. And the only way to go to the right house is to worship the right God. Only through a relationship with the Lord, through faith in Jesus, can we follow wisdom. So I close by just pointing you to this, that these rival invitations, these rival paths, are vying for the attention of the same group of people, which means we each have to make a decision. That's why he says this in verse 12. It might sound kind of odd at first, but... Hear it in light of everything we've said, and I'll explain it. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. He's saying we are each responsible for our own decision here. If this brings us to a point of decision, we are each individually responsible for our own decision. You can't borrow someone else's decision. You can't borrow someone else's character. You can't hide in the crowd of the wise just to be with the wise. Each one of us must decide which invitation we're going to accept, not only in the ultimate worship of our hearts, but every single day of our lives, we are faced with temptation and choices. So wisdom is not about how many degrees you have or don't have. Wisdom is not about how many books you've read or haven't read. Wisdom is about the posture of your heart to the Lord. And if you're submitting to him and worshiping him and following him, in Proverbs 4, it says this. Let's hold out this promise as we think about the choice between wisdom and folly is the choice between life and death. Proverbs 4, verses 18 and 19 says this. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. 
They do not know over what they stumble. Will we follow the Lord towards life or will we follow our own desires towards death, separation from God? Will we revolve our life around the Lord or will we revolve our life around ourselves, wisdom or folly? And the choice between wisdom and folly is the choice between life 